Job chapter 1, verse number 1. There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job. And that man was perfect. Now listen to me. This is, this is God's testimony of Job. Wouldn't you like for God to give you that kind of testimony to you? And that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance also was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, and 500 yoke oxen, and 500 she-asses, and a very great household. So this man was the greatest of all the men in, of the east. And his sons went out and feasted in their house every one his day, and sent and called for the three sisters to eat and drink with them. And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you tonight. Lord, we just ask you to open our hearts and minds. Lord, we thank you for the uh, wonderful songs that were sung, Lord, that, that lead us to this. And Father, we just ask you to uh, put a hedge around the church, Lord. You've heard people talk about the devil attacking. Well, we're going to see how the devil can attack and see what the devil can do. But Lord, we can see what you can do. Yes. And that's greater than anything the devil or the world or the flesh could ever do. And we thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, the book of Job is made up about different people. And I, I want to look at each one of the characters in the book of Job that we might find some help to apply to our lives. Job is the oldest book in the Bible. The author of the book uh, is unknown. Some say it, might, it was Job himself. And then some say uh, it was uh, Elu, the friend of Job, the fourth one that spoke, and he spoke with wisdom and encouragement. They say maybe he wrote the book, but the Bible doesn't tell us who wrote the book, uh, and that's, that's not a point because we know God inspired the book. This book was written three to four hundred years before Moses ever wrote in the beginning. There was God. And after all that happened to Job, he lived 140 years. With that in mind, the oldest book in the Bible is about, a, is about human suffering. Every one of us in here can understand that. Every one of us can pinpoint for that, that we've all suffered. It's interesting to me, the, uh, the first thing that God blew his breath of inspiration onto is a story about a man that's persecuted, persecuted by the devil and goes through all the sufferings of life. The first thing that God thought about that he was going to inspire and one day put in his book called the Bible that was going to be scriptures of living God was going to be a book about a man who wasn't just any man. This 
is not to be an unusual story. If it had been different if Job had been a drunkard. It would have been different Job was a sinner. And he took it in the neck, and very much so he deserved. But that ain't Job. Job is a godly man, a righteous man. And in spite of his faults, in spite of his flaws, he is trying to do his best to live for God. And yet still he gets it in the neck. The book of Job asked the age-old question that we all ask the same day. Why do good th- bad things happen to good people? There's no answer to that. Why do the righteous suffer? There's no answer to that. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. But it should comfort everyone in here tonight to know there is a God that cares about you. Right in the middle of your suffering and your persecution, there's a God enough that loves you, cares enough about your heartaches, that He decided the first book that He's going to aspire is going to deal with my people hurting. My people suffering. And we all face that through life. So if you ever suffer, and I'm quite sure everyone here has, if you've ever been through a heartache, and I'm quite sure everyone has, you've been through pain, you've been through loss, we can find something Help us by looking at the characters in the book of Job. And hopefully we can find some help for us in our suffering. So tonight I wanted to look at Job. Job. Why don't you look at Job's conduct? Let me say this before I even start. There's nothing in Job's conduct that we all can't have in our conduct. Let's be honest with you. There's some characters in the Bible that you need to read about, that you need to know about, and say, well, I can't do that. I can't act like that. I can't be that type of person. I can't call fire down from heaven. I can't heal someone. I can't raise someone from the dead. But every one of us sitting in here can have the conduct that Job has in our life. Everything that we're going to find out about Job, you're going to go through some suffering like Job did. But also you can have the same conduct in your life that Job had in his life because his conduct was holy. Verse 1, it says, There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job, and that man was perfect. 
The first thing we see is that Job is a perfect man. Now, I want you to understand something here. When you read your King James Bible and it says perfect, it doesn't mean without sin or sinless. The word perfect in this text means it means complete, not lacking anything. It's whole. When you look at Job's life, that's what you see. He is a law-abiding citizen. He has covered all bases. He worshiped God. He lives for God. He does right and takes, talks right. He acts right. He's, he's got the whole package. It said that he was upright. The word upright means he is honest. Well, we need that a lot more in the society today. And may I say we need that much more in the church world today is to be upright and honest. That means in his business dealing, he's honest. Dealing with others, he's honest. His servants, he's honest. He's an honest individual. He's not a crook. He walks upright. He speaks upright. He lives upright. And the Bible has a whole lot to say about uprightness. Being an upright man. That's what we all should strive to be, an upright person. When people talk about you, they say, be able to say that person's character is upright. They're honest in their walk. They're honest in their dealings. People should be able to say that about you and I. It said he's perfect and upright and one that feared God. You say, how much does he fear God? He fears God enough to sacrifice for his own children. Because they may have sinned in verse 5. He's got a relationship with the Lord. I, I know that this modern day movement they have in this church world today says that you should, you should not fear the Lord, uh, but uh, you should uh, do it with Proverbs. It says, uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. It is a good thing to have a good, healthy dose of fear of the Lord. Jesus said, uh, 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 "Fear them that which can kill. Fear not them which can kill the body, but are, are not able to kill the soul. But rather fear him that which is able to destroy him, both body and soul." So Job, he was a perfect man. He was an upright man. He was a man that feared God. But not only did he fear God, but he eschewed evil. That means he shunned evil. He turned away from it. In other words, Job ran evil away from him. I feel the day in the society and the church world today, we are starting to embrace evil. Well, it's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a sin, so it's okay. No, sin is sin. That's it. I've never read in the Bible what sin, good sin and bad sin. It's all sin. He didn't entertain sin. He didn't try to hang around the evil things. 
He said, I'm getting as far away from evil as I can, and I'm abstaining from even from the appearance of evil. And that word issue is only in your Bible twice. Here in Job and in 1 Peter chapter 3. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil. And his lips that may speak no guile, let him eschew evil. And do good and let him speak peace and assure it. In other words, Peter said, if you want to, uh, uh, to love life, if you want to be, uh, have good days, then you've got to shun evil. You've got to push evil away. You need to learn how to shun evil and don't entertain it in your mind, don't entertain it in your heart. You need to push that evil thoughts and stuff out of your life in order to enjoy your life. And I say something about this holy conduct of Job. I said it this morning, you can fool others and you can fool me and I can fool you, but you cannot fool God. I want you to understand something. I want you to have the correct uh, reputation. I, I want to have a good testimony. I do believe that there is the Bible thing, and I believe it's uh, in this day that we should have a good testimony. But I believe the day they're saying, I'm not trying to have holy conduct. I want to please Him in all that I do. The Lord knows about you. God knew this about Job this, and God's testimony was. And He said to Satan, As thou consider my servant Job, there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright, one that feareth God and sheweth evil. That is a conduct worth having, and that's worth that God looks at in our lives. It's not what your husband thinks, or not what your wife thinks, or not what your family thinks, or not what your friends think. It's what God says about you. If God will stand up here tonight and say, hey, a testimony about you is upright, perfect, and true evil, you fear God. Could he say that about you tonight? Could he say, woman, that woman there was perfect, upright. That man feared God, and he walked with God, and he shoe evil. He's a whole man. At the end of the day, I want to make sure I please God. And everything that I do. Can I say this also? Job's conduct is hated. Do you know what the name Job means? It literally means hated. Persecuted. And he is hated. And he is persecuted. He's hated by Satan. He's hated by his friends. He's even hated by his wife. His wife said, curse God and die. Don't miss this. Why is Job hated? Because he's living holy. 
he's, he's living holy. God sees him living this kind of life and he knows what he is. Why is Job being persecuted? Because he is holy. You may be sitting here wondering why you're being persecuted. Why are you going through this? Why are you facing that? Why is your family going on? And, and you want to ask God, why is this happening? Maybe because it's you're living a life that pleases God and the devil hates it. And any time the devil hates something of God, he's going to do his best to tear it down. So Job's conduct is hated. You say, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. I'm reading my Bible. I'm going to church. I'm tired. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. Why is this happening to me? Maybe it's you get it doing and being persecuted because you're doing something right. Doing something for God. The Bible says, and all they live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution. Listen to me. People will always hate a holy person in this wicked world. Because it convicts them of their sins. They don't want to see somebody living the righteous life. They don't want to see somebody living an upright life. They like what they're doing. So when somebody is around them that lives that kind of life, they start to hate you. They don't want to be around you and they'll start talking about you saying, hey, something's wrong with that person. Let me just say this. Just keep on living for God. Do you know why his friends talked about him? Because someone sees someone living better than they are and they'll try to tear it down. But can I say this? Holy living will not exempt you from pains, troubles, and trials. I wish I could say if you were faithful to the church and you tied and you prayed and you read your Bible and you do everything to God that you will never have to face any problems in your life. That's not true. Is it worth it to you to live a holy life? The world is not going to love you for living a holy, righteous life. I'm just telling you that. They will not love you. They will hate you. And listen to me. I want you to get there. I want you to see Job. He doesn't know what we know. We've read the end of the book. We know exactly what happens, but Job does not know that. And yet he is worshiping. And he's worshiping more than most people do today. I'd love to uh, be like Job. Chapter 23 and verse 80. He's looking for God. Behold, I go forward. But he is not there. Go backwards. But I cannot perceive him. On the left hand. Where he doth work but I cannot behold him. 
He hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him, but he knoweth the way that I take. And when he is hated, tried him. And you shall come forth as gold. Job says, I don't, I don't know why this is happening to me. I don't understand why I'm going through all this. But I'm being tried. I'm being persecuted. Amen. Job's facing a lot of ordeals in his life because of whom he serves. Then I want you to look at Job's corruption. I must make this disclaimer before I go any further. Even the best of men are nothing but men. Job is a whole man, a perfect man, an upright man, fears God and shew evil. We know this turns out when God shows up, he doesn't come and give Job a hug. In fact, he lays it to Job. He's laid it to him. In fact, he looks at Job and says, who are you? To judge me. It's not a problem that Job questioned God why these things were happening to him. Jesus asked, even said, Why, my God, have thou forsaken me? It's not a problem. It's not, God is not upset when people question what's going on in their life. Because then when you start pointing your finger at God, Lord, won't you come down here and I'll deal with you. That, that's what got, got Job in trouble. There, there be those that say you should never question God. Well, I'm sorry, that's not what the Bible says. It's not, Lord, I, I don't understand why this has happened. I think God is all right with us asking him that. Well, I thought, you know, we're not mortal men. But don't get to the point where you say, God, if you just come down here, I'll get this straight. I know what it's right. If you just come down here, I will get in your face. God is not going to take that. And that's what got Job in trouble. He got in trouble. Job had some conflicts in his life. He's a holy character. He's suffering. But his holiness is not going to shield him from having conflict in his life. Did you catch that when Satan presented himself to the Lord and they start talking about Job? Job is on earth and has no idea what's going on behind the scenes. He doesn't know what's going on in heaven. 
There, there was a battle going on for Job, and Job had no idea this was happening to him. You understand, we, we've got the whole book, we understand, we see how the end of it is, but Job doesn't have a clue what's going to happen. Psalms 119 said, it's good for me to have a fear, I've been afflicted. It's good to me to have been afflicted. Why? That I might learn thy statutes. You can learn something about yourself, but more important, you can learn something about the Lord in your conflictions. In chapter 40, verse 1, God answers Job. Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, in verse 20, Shall he be contended with the Almighty to instruct him that he reprove God? Let him answer it. And Job, you're going to, going to be instruct me, Job. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am vile. Yet Job was upright and, and perfect and eschew evil and fear of God, but yet Job uh, said, I am vile. Can I say this? When you get a good look at yourself, when you're with God, you're going to realize you're not as good as God says you are. You're a vile person. And Job realized that. He realized in the presence of God, he is nothing but a vile person. He said, I am vile. What shall I answer thee? I will lay mine hand upon my mouth. See, we've read God's commentary on Job, upright and fear of God. It's true evil. What Job does finally gets a good look at himself. And see himself in the presence of God. You mark this down. If you think you are a perfect, upright, fearing God and a holy individual, you're probably not. You're probably not. You really won't know the kind of person you are until you come in the presence of the Lord. Peter even said, Depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man. In verse 8, God said, Wilt thou also deny my judgment? Wilt thou condemn me, that thou mayest be righteous? We see his conflicts. There's one big slugfest going on here. Him and his friends are going at it. They're going at each other. Hard at it. Verse, chapter 42 and verse 10, it says, And the Lord turned his captivity of Job, 
when he prayed for his friends. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. You can be what God wants you to be. But at the end of the day, you pray for each other. Can I, can I say, Job, Job started blaming God for everything that happened to him in his life. And it wasn't even God that done it. And I say, if you're right, you don't always have to defend yourself. Just keep doing right and God will vindicate you. Job is living for God. He's eschewing evil and, and he's sacrificing for his kids. In verse 14 of chapter 1 it says, uh, he said, uh, uh, And there came a messenger to Job and said, The oxen were plowing, the asses were feeding beside them, and the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have all slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I am only escaped alone to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came another also who said unto him, The fire of God has fallen from heaven, and hath burned up the sheep and the servants, and consumed them all, and I only escape alone to tell thee. And while he was yet speaking, there came also another one, and said, The Chaldeans made off with their, the bandit bands, and, and fell upon the camels, and carried them away, yea, and slain the servants, and the edge of the sword and them away, and the Lord and I am only escaped to tell thee. Can I tell you this? In a span of about five minutes, Job went from a man that had everything to a man that had absolutely nothing. You can go back to verse number three. It tells you all that we, would, he had. God tells us everything that Job had. He went from having everything to having nothing. In verse 18, while, while he was yet speaking, there came also another and said, Thy sons and thy daughters were eating and drinking and wine in the eldest brother's house. And, and behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house and it fell upon the young men and there they all did and I only escaped to tell thee. Not only did Job go from a man that had everything to a man that had nothing, Job went from being a father of ten to being a father of none. He suffered. He suffered. I've had loss in my life, and you've had losses in your life. It hurts. But I have scriptures that I can lean on. I have scriptures I can go back to that gives comfort. But Job does not have this. We, we, Job doesn't have, we know that all good things work together for them to love the Lord. Job doesn't have, God shall supply all your needs. Cast your cares upon him because he could. Job doesn't have this. On top of that, Job's flesh 
gets touched. So when Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord and, and smoked Job with boils, soles of the soles of his feet, his crown, and took him a posture to scrape himself with all and sat down in the ashes. His flesh, flesh is touched. He doesn't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to comfort him. His friends turn on him. They lie on him. He doesn't have a, a, a local church that he can run to. He doesn't have a, a church that he can fellowship with. Don't have anybody that helps him pray. But nevertheless, in spite of all that, get this. Job says some awful, awesome stuff in the midst of the biggest tragedy of his life. Then Job arose and rent his mantle, shaved his head and fell upon the ground and worshipped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He doesn't have that indwelling of the Holy Ghost to help him and comfort him. Job's all alone. He doesn't have a verse of scripture that can pull out and, and use it to help him. He doesn't have a church to run to. He doesn't know how it's going to turn out. He doesn't know what we know about him. And yet Job is worshiping and saying, bless the name of the Lord. When we go through a trial, when we hit that valley, when we see that mountain, we go, oh, woe is me. But Job said, hey, everything may be crumbling down on top of me. I may be facing life's circumstances in this world, but I am going to praise the Lord. A man can say, the Lord giveth and the Lord take away and still worship and praise God. What a man. How much more should we be able to praise God? We know the end. We know what happens. And yet we don't praise God like we should. Bless the name of the Lord, Job said, for I know that my Redeemer liveth. And he shall stand in the latter days upon earth. Wait a minute. I read that. I got to thinking about that. Job doesn't have scripture. Job doesn't have the Holy Ghost. But Job says, I, he shall stand in the latter days. There, there's something going on with Job. There, there's something. He doesn't have commentaries. He doesn't have about, he doesn't have preachers preaching. There's something going on with Job. But in the darkest conflict and his getting some revelation from God somewhere. I don't know where he got it, but he got it. He got plugged into something that he needed to get plugged to say, I know my Redeemer liveth. And he's going to stand here one day. And then he said, my, after my skin worms uh, destroy this body, yet in my flesh I shall see God. He, he's talking about a, a glorified body, yet he, he's seeing this stuff. There's a revelation going on in Job's life that Job's getting a hold of that we need to get a hold of and say, Lord, I want to praise thee. He knows more, more about the Bible than most people today know about the Bible. 
He said that. Told you about his conflict. Told you about her. But let me tell you about the conclusion of Job's life. Verse four, chapter 42, verse 12. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, and 1,000 yokes of oxen, and 1,000 she asses. You go back to chapter 1, verse number 3, and you'll see that every one of them is doubled. God said it, so it's true. It is double. Gave him back double the portion. I love what it said in verse 16, chapter 2. And after this, Job. After all that Job went through in his life, after all he fought in his life, the Bible says, after this, Job. I know you may be sitting here in the middle of your problems and your persecution, in the middle of your uh, conflict. And you said, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. I, I'm, I'm not going to be able to live after this. I'm never going to enjoy life anymore. It's just over with. I'm through. But I'm telling you, if you just keep holding on, keep living for God, there is life after this. It ain't over right here for Job. Job might have thought it was over with in his trials. Job might have thought it was, you know, this is it. I'm going to face it. That's the way he rent his clothes and sit in the ashes. I'm through. This is over with. But yet he never stopped praising God. He never stopped lifting up God's name. And after all this, Job lived. Job learned something through his conflict. That I think we need to learn. Job learned to live day by day. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You never know what's around the bend of life. Job learned to enjoy the things of his... Thing. Now, I challenge you this. Go back and read the names of his daughters in chapter 42. And you'll get a blessing on that. You'll get a blessing on that. But Job learned to live day by day by day and enjoy the things today of what God provided for the day because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We need to learn to enjoy the things that we have today, not depending on, hey, I'm waiting for tomorrow because I know what's going to come in tomorrow when I got this plan, I got that plan. You don't know what's coming in tomorrow. So Job said, I'm just going to learn to live day by day, praising God, giving God the glory. And if I get up tomorrow morning, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to praise God and give God the glory. God help us to be more like Job in the time of our troubles, in the time of our conflicts, in the times of our hurt and pain. To just praise God. For who God is. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Just to give God the glory. 
And after this, Job did live 140-some years after he died. Then he died. You can live after your troubles. Amen. And I say that because every one of us in here has faced some type of trouble, some type of trial, and we all came through it. And if you look for the right thing in your troubles and trials, you'll find that God was trying to teach you something there. And that's what we need. Job. We're going to look at all the characters in the book of Job to give us something to help us. We need to be more like Job. I'm just going to praise God. I'm just going to praise God. And like he said, the more you praise Him, and that peace starts coming on you, you got to praise the Lord. Amen. 